0: <laughs> it would be a war but eh? <laughs>
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. Joining me today, we've got Blake, Matt, and Adam Guys, I don't know why I'm in such a positive mood. Could it be the coffee I probably shouldn't have had at 8 o'clock to get me through the evening? Because it certainly isn't about the Wolves why I'm feeling so enthusiastic. Um, Guys, we're going to talk about Wolves' 3-0 defeat to Chelsea. Of course, we're going to discuss what, if anything, a new manager is going to bring to Wolves, who hopefully is going to be signing for us before the Forest game, you'd like to think. And also predicting how we're going to end up before the world cup break as well as well as a lot of very fun twitter corner questions as well to be honest guys we're going to skip through them we'll, we'll skip through a lot of the chelsea game let's be honest because it weren't the best pleasing on the eye for wolves fans but um let, let's go through it let's, let's let's break the ice on it um pricey because i know you had a fun and eventful trip down to west london at the weekend
2: did, yes. I mean, I imagine um, most people did, to be fair, when the the strikes are on. Um, But uh, no, uh, without going into the full belts and braces of it, we had a bit of a mad dash just to get actually to the game on time, since our Airbus driver decided to just go towards Stamford Bridge and then start driving away from Stamford Bridge. (laughs) So uh, we ended up just bailing out over the course of a few red lights and then just quickly dashing towards um, the ground itself. But I only missed the few, first three few minutes and evidently didn't miss much else for the rest of the game.
1: <laughs> yeah, London, one of those places infamously where it's fine just to get a bit lost. You'll, you'll figure out your way. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like we, we don't need to get there early. Early, we'll be we'll be all right. as right. I'm sure we can just stay in the pub for another 15, 20 minutes. We'll be all right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll go back to sort of two o'clock on Saturday um, to the team news being announced. And you know what? Despite how the poor walls have been, I did have a swell of optimism. I don't know about you, Matt, but I feel it was like, the, frankly, and I mean, looking at the bench as well, it was probably the best lineup up he could have put out, do you think?
3: Yeah, it was. It, you know, it's just refreshing to see players playing in and pretty much their preferred positions. Um, obviously hampered by Collins and Never suspension and you know various injuries that we've got. It's kind of the forced hand, really. The the bench is absolutely laughable. Um, but actually, out of all of those players, Hodge wouldn't have been the one who I'd have put money coming on. Um, but we'll get onto that I'm sure later. I mean, the starting eleven, it is what it is, really. No real surprises, but it's good that um they had the wherewithal and the bravery to go to go for it in the first place. We could have been in a position where we have gone three at the back just to try and nullify. We didn't to try and have a go. Not that we saw that in the first half. But, yeah, I think it's to be expected. Great to see Costa starting. But I think we all knew he wasn't going to make it past kind of 60, 65 minutes.
1: No, I think um, it, we'll touch on the post-match comments around sort of players' fitness levels. Towards the end of the uh, towards the end of the segment, um, but Blake, for you, would it have been sort of pretty much the lineup you just started? I mean, as, as Matt said, yeah, you look at the bench. We only, we only named, um, I believe, eight substitutes of which Bar, eight Nori, and Huang. They're pretty much all development squad players, aren't
0: they? Yeah, there's not really much else he could have done. I mean, there's some debate over whether or not Costick should have come off the bench later on in the match, but. You know, look. It, it was the best that we could do, considering what we have.
1: Yeah, um, you know, for, from my point of view, I, 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 you, you look at it and it, it's square pegs in square holes, which is kind of a refreshing, uh, kind of a refreshing change for me, to be honest. But you know, you, you, it didn't feel too shoehorned. Yeah, you've got Tottie. Totty and Kilman as you two centre-halves, it doesn't feel amazingly balanced, but considering you're without Neves, you're without Collins, as, as you say, man, Um I wasn't too upset, and I did think for... Am uh, I, I being too optimistic, Pricey, for in the first half to have a bit of hope? Because we did sort of hold our own for
2: spells of it, didn't we?
0: Yeah,
1: we... we,
2: we... We didn't threaten, but we didn't look as if we were going to get ourselves disgraced in any way. Um, it was, for me, looking at that starting 11, what got me, what I was pleased about was the actual slight change in formation. And I guess, out of necessity, we couldn't play the three in midfield, which I actually don't really think we should be doing anyway. I don't, I don't think we should be playing the three midfield. I think something like this 4 2 3 1 should be how we. Play going forward, but like, like I say, this this was thrust upon us by necessity, given the fact that Nunez and Matino were really the only two options we have uh, from our first team squad. And um, we looked we looked all right first half. I mean, we had I remember my memory from yesterday. The standouts being that from the first half Nunez sort of broke away and took on like three of the players, and I think ended up winning the free kick for us that, that had on uh, a shot on goal on, um, by and large, Costa was, yeah, I mean, not just for the first half, but for for the, for the entirety of the area that he was on, obviously didn't have a lot to, to play with. He didn't, I think he had one kind of opportunity that he just got, the the ball just muddled between his feet, essentially. And he just, he couldn't, couldn't get it out of the, um, couldn't get it out, out, out of his feet. But, um, yeah, we didn't we didn't do too we didn't disgrace ourselves that much, really. To be honest, we didn't, we didn't disgrace ourselves, but I think nor did we entirely create any anything of note. I guess that might as, as might be expected when you're up against a team like Chelsea.
1: Yes, um, you know what? Let, let, let's talk the positives because there there were glimpses in the first half for for me. You look at performance overall, yeah, we we didn't really ever look like massively scoring. But a player who quietly does seem game after game, giving us a bit more and a bit more in terms of Nunes, as you were saying. And it wasn't just that run, which it's the run we've all been hoping he's been doing. When you look at the YouTube clips, um, it's it's time at Sporting. Um, you know, where he kind of breaks past about four players and like somehow takes the ball, sort of essentially moves the ball for 60, 70 yards at the pitch by dribbling and then picking a pass out and then winning the free kick on the edge of the box. Um, Matt, we've got some play on our hands. It's just a shame we're shit, isn't it?
3: We, we do. I don't know if, <laughs> if there's, there's an element here of, um, I don't know if you'd have seen it uh, for, for United's second goal here, which, Cody makes Ronaldo look like Usain Bolt. I don't know if this is an element of, um, you know, Matthias having the benefit of having an unfit squad around him. I think work his work rate is obviously very high and he's obviously a very physical player. Um, and I think that is being highlighted by some of the frailties from our, our physicality from the rest of our squad, um, you know. To say we held on in the first half is like describing a cockroach surviving a nuclear holocaust. (laughs) You know, yes, we did, but it wasn't pretty. And (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, But going going back to your point, you can... It's refreshing to have somebody hold on to the ball, make positive runs and still maintain a physicality and just a little bit of bite, a little bit of nastiness that we've all said that we've missed now for a while in our player's um you saw yesterday, you know, he, he could have got in trouble for a little cheeky kick out. Um, and and frankly, thankfully, thankfully he didn't, but you know, I don't mind that. I don't mind someone that's gonna grab the ball by the horns and have a little bit of passion either. And he's obviously immensely technically talented and he comes with a pedigree of that, so it shouldn't be a surprise. It's just a shame that at the moment the other members of the team around him aren't quite possessing that same drive, I think, and same attitude. Yeah, I think.
1: Drives the optimum word for him, isn't it? Like in the, in his best points in a Wolves shirt, it's it's been where he takes it on the half turn and one of the most notable things for me, um, is how passive we can be going forward a lot of the time and not being afraid to turn on the ball or taking it on the half turn to drive it forward and doing playing the safe option a lot of the time. Um, I, I picked up a tweet from Gully at the weekend. Um, where you know, for the audio listeners amongst us. A uh, big shout out to those who are joining us on YouTube uh, live, by the way. Uh, thanks for everyone who's in the comments as well. Um, Goody said on Twitter, that break at the end where Semedo kills Costa with the layoff is exactly what is going wrong. There's a shot on for Nelson if he takes responsibility. Way too submissive an attack. Passing the ball equals passing the book. And there's felt like a lot of that, particularly in the first half, Blake, where they're just a bit
0: scared to play with conviction. Well, it's what's so interesting because we just don't really seem to have any passion for it at the minute I mean it's it's what's so strange is that so many players just seem completely disinterested and you do say that you know a lot of players seem to be playing without without this drive however you also have potence who's trying these deaf little flicks every 10 seconds and half of the time fair enough it works out but another half of the time it was going straight to Chelsea Defenders and it's like I don't know it feels like we're we're, we're doing the exact opposite of what we're supposed to be doing I mean, we need to maintain possession in our own half and then hammer them on the counter. That's what what made us so good for the past couple of seasons. And just feels like we really can't do that at the minute, no matter how hard we try.
3: I don't know if there was an element there of the the pressure of not having this. Yeah, you know, everybody pre-game was talking about, you know, okay, the handbrake's off now. No Bruno, we could play a different way, we can do this, we can do that. There were so many unforced errors from Wolves when they're not even being highly pressed that I'm not saying it's the basics and the fundamentals going wrong. It's something, it it was a mentality thing. Like there was Mm. just, they really seemed scared to play out for being picked off. But the problem is then they're, they're they're forcing themselves to second guess. They're playing silly balls constantly when they're in, in possession, instead of playing themselves out of trouble, they'll just hoof it up and and invite Chelsea pressure again. It was a, it was a cowardly, it was a cowardly performance for some players in that first half. I'm afraid to say. Should we dig some of them out? Who,
1: who should we scapegoat first? <laughs> <Sorry, I've, laughs> it feels so unnatural for me to be like that. But I think I think the one who's going to kind of get at the brunt of it, rightly or wrongly, and frankly, I think it is rightly, it, it is Guedes um, who did who did get the hook at half time, and we will. I say we'll talk fitness later because it. it the, Davis came out afterwards and sort of said he was struggling fitness-wise. But it was a poor show, wasn't it, Pricey? From him,
2: he's, um Canelli <sighs> was it was shambolic. For, for him, to be honest, I don't know what at the minute, and not just not just yesterday's game, but every there's been probably one game this season where he's he's looked like he's done something. And I think they will probably save that when he, he had a bit of energy about him. But that's, that's as far as it went, it's just energy. That's just someone who looked like he was running the boat a lot. Generally, actually end products or looking like he might actually impact a game, zip, nada. There's nothing from him at all. I just think that he is, we seem to be, i I'm correct if I'm wrong, but I think we've been linked with this guy for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And I think every season that he's been linked with us, we've all as a collective gone, nah, not, not really for us. We've all just sort of not really clamoured at the bit to get him into the squad. And now that he's here, he's kind of showing why we all thought, you know, not too much of him in the in the first place. Because I don't know whether he's... He's not, he, he's not exactly playing at that position, but he, he just looks like he's not comfortable wherever wherever he plays for us at the moment. I guess you could say that about quite a few of our players at the moment, to be honest. But he just doesn't look, doesn't look comfortable, doesn't look like he's affecting the game in... In any way, uh, the fitness stuff I think is bullshit. To be honest, I think he's had he's had preseason surely at Valencia before before we signed him. Um, I don't, I, Bruno's Bruno's tactical sessions surely can't be that bad. Where we've like decreased his fitness since he joined us, he can't have spent he can't have spent that long in Bruno's classroom in the conference room. It's zapped him of all his fitness completely. I just don't I just don't buy that. Um, but, yeah, at, at the minute, right now, he, just, he looks shocking, to be honest. He looks like a really, really poor bike. Now, let, let put a slight caveat in there that we're, what, eight games in or nine games in, whatever. So, I'm not going to Trincare him. I'm not going to give him the Trincare treatment straight away. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Will, straight away there with a the comment. Trinko part two. You know, we all know how trinko turned out, and I've, I've kind of jumped on him early doors, and that turned out to be right, but... At the minute I probably would have Trincow over Geddes right now. I would I would willingly open the door and roll out the carpet for Trinkau to come back. It's compared to Geddes at the moment.
1: I was gonna say that was a question, I was you primed me up perfectly pricey. Um in terms of I think Trincao is probably available for similar money in the summer. Now I I, I don't know why I was so hopeful about Trincal. But I think even in the first nine games of last season, I think I saw more happening from him, even if it was just work work rate-wise in terms of his closing down and his pressing. Yeah, he struggled with the physicality of the English game, etc. And it took him, you know, 90% into the season last year to encounter really notch anything output-wise. But I did think he at least gave a bit more, whereas... He just seems a bit quiet, Cuédez. Mm. Uh, that's it. the only way I can describe it.
3: I'm hesitant to to kind of dig him out at this point when there is no, there is no. St- when Hodges your standout player, and maybe Troy Ori, I'm hesitant to dig him out completely for being the absolute worst thing you know since Frankowski. Do you know what I mean? Um, the 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 issue, the issue i think and it shouldn't be this way it absolutely shouldn't be this way I think the whole team lacks a belief and a and now and a manager that comes in that galvanizes and gets them playing the best that they can i think he's you know he, he had a moment or two in the game where he indirectly affected for the positive when he cut in front of Azpilicueta, draw the foul on the card mm. you know it wasn't we need a scapegoat. We all know that. Now Dendonka's gone, we've got to pick somebody as quickly as we can. That's fine. I get it. We, we all need to have that. But I think to, to to write him off at this point in time, I think, would be naive. But I think that he, Christy need to show a hell of a lot more. But who doesn't in this squad? Out of curiosity, when it comes to picking a scapegoat, I'm thinking we
1: need like a wheel to do it. Who mm-hmm. should get to spin the scapegoat wheel?
3: Oh, that's a good question.
2: The pre- the previous
1: scapegoat.
3: Yeah, yeah, think... yeah, yeah. That's right. As soon do as they think... as soon as they score or we'll get a clean sheet, clean slate, and
1: or they or they leave, they get to do the inaugural spin. And does that mean like Huang is just like sitting really quietly in a corner, <laughs> just like praying to God? Yeah. To be um, fair,
3: he's been he's been void of uh, void of some of the criticism for the last few weeks. He must have had a quite a peaceful a peaceful start to the month.
1: Yes, yeah, it, his uh, Instagram notifications have probably gone well down since uh, since
2: he's barely played. Um, you still get you still getting this chance, Juan is, but we're still saying he's still on loan for the season. Wolves, uh, <laughs> Wolves fans need to up our game with that one. They need to amend that chance on there, you know.
1: Mm, definitely. Um, I was going to say my last thing on Guedes is: Do you think he's somebody who plays better when other players around him are playing better? So like where's Nunes? We've talked about him, he seems to be someone who is having a bit of an impact in games and is influencing the team rather than being influenced by the team. I don't think that's just like position like the position he plays in. I think it's more like how he plays the game. But do you think you could say something similar about Gwedes that he's not really taking the game by the scuff of the neck in the way that we want and need? a winger to be or to be an outlet out wide and, you know, love him or hate him, Adama doesn't, you know, particularly on Saturday, like, if he got the ball, he'd try and do something with it. He, he would try and influence the game where it feels like a lot needs to happen around him to get the most out of him.
2: He seems like the ultimate kind of confident... You know, again, might be ultimate confidence player, like you say, or as we have already said this is a, a team with a crisis confidence. Now, whether since he joined us, evidently crisis, the, the since he joined us, evidently the, the confidence was already at a near crisis point. So we've, I guess I'm, I'm trying to create an argument for him now, as previously argument against him just, but maybe we haven't seen the best of him until conference as a whole in the squad picks up. Um <laughs> Like we, we all know that the team just looks bereft at the moment. The whole squad just looks completely bereft of any of anything, ideas, creativity, sometimes work rate. Maybe that's affecting him. Maybe that affects him quite a bit. And you know, we've seen that amongst quite a few players. And you mentioned Adama just there, Rich. I mean, Adama's the ultimate roll the dice and see what happens player at the moment. You know, it, he, he given the ball, he could roll the one, and he does nothing, loses the ball as he did quite a few times yesterday. But then, again, he went on one of his amazing runs drawing, I think, did, did he draw the yellow car from Aspen Equator? I think, you know, he, I, I think he he, he went on amazing, a couple of his textbook amazing runs, doing what we know he can do. But, you know, unfortunately, those rolls of dice tend to go one way more than, more than the other. And he's another one, potentially, that's, well, doesn't want, doesn't want to be here for a start, does he really? Let's be honest, Adama, he's made that quite clear. But he, maybe he's another one who's suffering from the crisis of confidence in, in the squad, uh, that seems to be affecting Guedes as well, and the fact that we play Pedensator position, you can see why you're not getting any, anywhere with our forward players at the moment.
1: I feel like I'm doing as much as possible to avoid talking about the goals, to be honest. Um, so I'll let Blake talk about it. Uh, To be honest, Matt, you're right. It, it was a little bit no, it was very much backs against wolves for a lot of that half. And it didn't help that when we were breaking, we did nothing with it. Um and, and Diego Costa was probably, you know, internally raging and remembering all his meditation training. But to concede just before half time. Um and well, to be honest, we conceded literally at the end of both halves and that real sort of switch off at concentration really killed us, Blake, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it did. Um it was obviously coming. I mean, I think that we were allowing Chelsea way too many opportunities, so I'm not too sure how disappointed we could be that we had it before halftime. In all honesty, I think Chelsea probably deserved to be one or two goals up before halftime. So it, it was what it was. Uh, it's obviously unfortunate, especially considering we're generating the very rare and occasional chance. So, you know, obviously, it, it does kind of crush your hopes a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think that... I don't know. I wasn't really going to the smash thinking that we were going to have any chance of getting three points. So for me, conceding first wasn't the end of the world, but to do so right before halftime is, it's unfortunate. And I know a lot of people are blaming Saw for it, but I don't know. I think it's just sort of an unlucky sort of position where Saw has to come to Havertz and the fact that it's looping into the back of the net. I mean, it kind of depends on the angle you watch to see whether or not Saw actually could have gotten an angle on it and could have Sort of backtracked and made some incredible dive backwards to stop it, but I don't know. It just felt unfortunate to me.
1: One thing that um, highlighted me about the goal, and I know like Smedow didn't do a particularly great job at all of, um, you know, protecting the uh, protecting the back post. I think that's the first goal we've conceded where and I don't like saying it, I think if we'd have had five at the back and you'd have had three centre-halves in, I think if you had Johnny there, we'd have almost certainly conceded the same goal. But I think if you'd have had the back three of last se- season had Kilman on the back post, essentially, is what would have been, I think that gets cleared up. Is that fair to say? Or, you know what, it doesn't really matter because it was going to happen anyway, regardless of how many we, we had at the back. But I just thought it was interesting in terms of how the players were lined up. That we might have had another chance, and you could say it was just good movement by Havertz to peel off the centre half, and you know mm. pull on to pull on to the fullback. I don't know. I'm, I'm clutching at straws for stuff.
3: Yeah, I, you know, it's it's one of those, isn't it? I, I think potentially, but where on the odd occasion we did get a chance to break away in the in the first half, would we have had that with one extra person having to sit back? Would we have been even more limited in? anything offensively you know the end of the day my auntie had bollocks should be my uncle we just we can't like we we, it is what it is at this point in time you know I I I don't think that in a in a normal back line that we have with Collins even at the back that changes things as well Mm. I, I I think picking apart the goals is one thing in terms of individual errors and I, I don't think Sarr covered himself in a lot of glory for two, at least of the three goals. Um, I just think it's one of these where the, the res- just to say the result isn't important and the goals conceded isn't important is, is weird to say when you lose a game in the Premier League by three-goal no, margin, right, you're right. but it's it, it's the manner of the defeat as opposed to the, the like the, the sum of the parts is probably more important than the machine in this scenario no i i I do i do
1: agree with you um it's just frustrating Uh, no um no because actually for me all three goals were preventable and i'm not going to go we're not going to go down and break through them all um but actually i think the first goal is preventable let say it's come from a broken down set piece and the ball's kept turning open we've not cleared our lines effectively and it's you know Gwedes should have done more to um, sort out the cross. I know Dean in the comments says, you know, Costa lost his shit at Gwedes for not closing down the cross. And, you know, just that basic bits and pieces in terms of the desire could and should have been better. Um, again, second goal, you could argue it was good movement by uh, Pulisic to break clear. But, again, you feel like either we could have stopped that through ball being played or Sar comes out that bit earlier um to, to come close it down in the last goal it just felt like tired legs when you can sort of see you know killman doesn't quite know where to position himself against um against brosia um to be honest so it did feel like a again just we we don't learn anything new from the game um you know we we know we're not good at attacking we know we're not particularly great at defending one thing we did learn is we seem to have a little tidy player in hodge here lads or is it just because um, our expectations in terms of people coming in is basement value? Um, or do we think we you know, is he going to be the next David Davis? <laughs> or, uh, you know, without because actually I thought he, he did everything you'd have wanted from a player who's coming to a team who, uh, you know, two wins in, well, 18 now, I believe. And... Um,
3: you know, is at absolutely rock bottom? But Matt, what did you think of his display? Well, I think anybody that adds some positivity and work rate and that that ethos would make themselves look like the next, you know, the second coming of Puskas, wouldn't they? To be honest, it, it, I think it was great that he got the opportunity to do so, and the fact that he looked like he wanted to be on that pitch and wasn't phased by the occasion, I think, is important as well. I mean, it, a lot of people could have could have you know failed under those lights and and wilted and I don't think he was it's great do I think he'll have a, now a run in the team no but well, it's important for especially from from an academy point of view to see that you can get game time under the right circumstance um I think the bigger the the, the bigger opportunity needs to be given to Campbell over anybody yeah. um and I think that I probably knowing how little it looked like we were going to create and fitness wise, probably might have took Costa off earlier to bring Campbell on, to be honest. And Huang in his form or lack thereof, I don't think it hurt to, to give Campbell minutes um in order to just get him a run out in the team, be amongst that atmosphere, and you know, there is nothing like game time. But from a Hodge point of view, brilliant that he, you know, he showed some fight and some character and and a bit of positivity in terms of his. Um, on-the-field presence, but, you know, Christ, when that becomes one of your sole positives, it doesn't paint a pretty picture, does it?
1: Yeah, in, in the Fancast group chat, we were uh, we were scraping back in terms of finding the positives, weren't we? But, again, he acquitted himself well, and I think it's the bare minimum you want from a player. It is that commitment... Um, but he he gave us that and a bit more in my opinion in terms of what he did when he was on the ball and he had the opportunity to do stuff with it as well. Um, And I think your point about um, Campbell's um, spot on the money as well, because every time he's uh, come on and played, he's looked exciting. He's looked, again, we talk about, you know, influencers versus influenced and he seems to be someone who is ready and willing to take the game by the scruff of the neck. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, it's what you want to be entertained with, which, frankly, we are not being entertained as Wolves fans and haven't been for a while. But it's also what wins your games, isn't it, Pricey?
2: I think, I think yesterday there was a big show of uh, confidence in Hodge to bring him on in those... He up against a really big team, strong, strong squad, big players, and, and we've chucked him on. And I think he did everything... That could possibly have been asked of him i mean he would have he'd just been asked to have be kept it simple be sensible with the ball and he did exactly that i, I think i only saw him gave the ball away once the whole um 45 that he was on um it was like in a way it was kind of like having two Martinos on the pitch in a way of obviously different ends of their spectrum um he, he was, I, I thought it was i thought it was great. Um, as Matt said, but he's not going to get a first-team spot now. when Nevers is back. Hopefully, we don't revert to the three field again. But um, it seems like he's a good one to have in reserve. Um, I know when I've watched him the 21 games previously on Balls TV when they've been playing, he's looked a standout player, and he has been one where you look and you think, yeah, this 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 kid's got something about him that if we do need him, we can be confident he'll step in and do a job in inverted commas. Um but to the Campbell point as well, he's he's looked really, really exciting. Chem Campbell. Full of energy when he comes on. Looks like he's got a bit of trickery about him. There's an opportunity now for him as well. Now Neto will be out for the foreseeable. Guede's yeah, obviously has question marks on his ability and form. I think he should be eyeing up you know he should be really really pushing now for you know, whomever the new manager may or may not be when they when they arrive, should be really pushing for a, for a spot. There's there's a spot there to be taken if, if Geddes continues to misfire, and, and you know we and we're playing front three. Who who's what's the argument to say that he can't push for for that starting spot given the form of everyone else? Huang no thanks, Guedes not right now no thanks, and then there's and then we've got Pudence and Chilwell right. So there's definitely a spot there for him. Um, and like you say, Rich, we want someone there who can help us win games, and he's he's got that bit of trickery that could help us do just that. I mean, right now, I think we're banking on a Traore tri- Costa partnership to try and get us out of this hole right now. But if if the other attacking player can be Chem Campbell, then then so be it. I'm all for it.
1: No, hit completely on board. Um, the last thing I wanted to sort of talk about the game was um, the post match side of things, um, and Steve says, um, but (laughs) you don't want to know how long it took me to think of doing this title card guys. I mean, again, it wasn't anything we didn't already know. He talks pre-match in terms of getting bodies in the box. As he says, there weren't enough uh, people in the box taking risks and playing the right pass or taking the right shot as well. I noticed there was a potent chance in the second half where he just took far too long on it. And instead of just opening up his body and curling it round, he decided to, to essentially kind of cut it back across himself where it immediately got blocked. And it's just simple things. But um, as he notes as well, that the first goal comes at a poor time just before half time. And it might have changed the mentality if we'd have kind of gone into half time with a clean sheet um, before. No doubt succumbing so to multiple goals second half as well. Um,
2: I was going to say, Richard's saying, "This is the thing about that is running at nil nil at half time. That's fine. Let's also not forget that Chelsea rested probably their three most <laughs> players. James Sterling and Aubameyang were all on the bench. So and even and we we're still even overrun then pretty much. So yeah, uh, it probably got a hell of a lot worse. <laughs>
1: it it could have. Yeah, would would have going into half time less of galvanised wolves and more, very much motivate Chelsea to kick the living shit out of us, um, <laughs>
2: footballing um, ability wise. That, that probably might be us having two hands on the Chelsea hornet's nest and it's giving it a good old shake. <laughs> yeah,
1: how dare you not let us score yet?
2: Um,
1: I, 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 I touched on it with Guedes. Um, but I think the players might be a bit unfit. Who'd have thought it? Um, but um, the, the quote around um davis was when he was asked about um bringing costa off was it was um it was probably looking at doing it half time initially um uh, we looked at the physical data and kept him on for longer uh, we were told we could push him more obviously thinking ahead uh to next week which is why we took him earlier it's the same with adama he's on limited minutes we knew Guedes wouldn't last a game so we had plan subs uh to make it to make him a game it's a situation at the moment the pleasing thing is they got through i mean that 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 that, there feels question marks and red flags all over the shop to me um blake in terms of i know triori's had niggles and things like that but is this just squad depth coming back to haunt us or a or just a shockingly bad preseason in terms of our fitness
0: i think it's everything I mean, it's just, it's shocking to the point where we're basically saying that, you know, our goal is just to get through a match without any injuries, without anybody basically fainting on the pitch. It's just, it's ridiculous that this is where we are now. I mean, we've, we've known for a long time that this was always sort of going to be the deal. We were going to have a small squad depth and that this was just the way that things were going to work. But now that these players have sort of kicked out of gear a little bit, it's all gone to hell. And, you know, I... I don't even know what to say at this point it's just i don't know what anyone thought was going to happen it's no surprise to me that we're getting to this point now where players are just completely unfit to go on we have injuries it's natural it's something that happens within a football team and we just have a squad that's so small that we can't really do anything about it it's just it's ridiculous and we've been talking about this for years and still nothing changes now, obviously, there's there's some hope that maybe we just get a new manager and things turn around, people become more passionate and results start to change. But as things are going, it's just hard for me to see where this fitness is going to come from, where players are going to get more passionate for the game, where where we're going to get stuck in. I just don't know where these things are going to come from or how they're going to happen.
3: Mm, I, I, Sports science shows us that when you're performing well, Physiologically, cardio-wise, you perform better. That, that that's one thing. I think these comments are, are from a from a manager who doesn't have the experience or wants to. In his very limited role as Wolves head coach, say that he dragged off a player for being awful. To be honest, I think it's quite easy on uh, f- from from the getter side to to. It's, it's it's the easier narrative, isn't it, than to call. Why would he? call out a player, make massive ruffles of feathers in an already depleted morale side side squad. It's easier to just kind of put that down to the stats and the numbers. Um I I, I if it if it is completely truthful, then it's an absolute cardinal sin from our from our medical team um that our, and our coaching side that the players can be in a position where it's not like we're playing Thursday, Sunday football, and how yeah. intense can this training be in this cl- in this classroom? Like, like they're not doing any running, they're not doing any cardio work. In you know, at Compton, come on, like there's there's some. If it is true, oh, Christ, I hope it's not. We've got a bigger problem on our hands than just the occasional ACL. Th- th- there's something fundamentally wrong there, but I, I don't believe it is. I think it, it's an easier way to you know, he's not going to dig out the players and call them shithouses and tell them that. You know, they need to get book their attitudes up and anything else in his one in his one post-match interview, hopefully one post-match interview.
2: Seems <laughs> like at the minute, like we've got Dr. Doolittle in charge of our medical <laughs> team because like we've got we've got Sasso. they they told him to go back on and carry on playing despite the fact his knee was hanging off. Then we've got Neto who they're told to go back on twice to to carry on playing. And now we've got uh, players like gredes who have been freshly signed in the summer played nine games and he's getting less fit by the week. <laughs> less fit by the week to the point where now we've got our uh, interim manager telling us we he's took him off at half time because he's knackered and as as match said we haven't got any midweek games we're playing once a week so riddle me this what's what what's going on you know what 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 possibly is going on where our, our players are getting less fit by the week um and that's as Blake said, you know we're we're used to this this small squad now. I mean, we're, there were there was talk wasn't there online about this being the best transfer window we've had since Fosun come in. And you say, well, maybe maybe you could argue that because they've raised the bar in terms of the quality of player come in, like we see like Nunez's and, and Collins or whatnot. But we've still got a skeleton squad. that haven't actually improved the squad size that much to the point where you know we have suddenly have an abundance of options. We've still got like. No, no strikers to pick from at the moment, apart from a 34-year-old that we brought out of semi-retirement, and you know we still have we still have issues elsewhere throughout the, the, the team where we are now in this in this position. Um, it it just seems a bit of a joke to be honest, especially when you consider uh, a couple of years ago in our Europa League campaign we were playing Thursday Sunday and. It didn't seem to be an issue. Maybe that's you know what what Matt said. You know, when, if you're playing well, everything's going great. Any niggling issues just don't seem to appear, or can can get ignored and you just carry on. But when when it's like now, where we can't even buy a goal half the time, then people uh, players might be more willing to suddenly you know try and step out the limelight and get on the bench. I, I, I don't know. It's just it's just at the minute. We're just not a very good football team at the moment. Unfortunately, that's that's what it, what it comes down to. You
3: not know really boils my piss about this scenario, is that if it's a morale thing and it's it's just every game that we play strengthens Stu's idea in his head that we should get Dyson because it's a it's a mentality thing and he'll get them playing and he'll get them running through brick walls. Here, oh, here we go. You know what I mean? It's Stu's burner account coming out in full force. Um, but it's just it's one of those things if it's a mentality thing then I hope that I hope the new manager that comes in can understand that and be the right man to do that and and I know you've got it lined up Richard we'll talk about a pragmatic approach to to how we play I'm not entirely convinced is the the best way forward Um, if you want to get people excited and playing again but organization never hurts either
2: what, uh, th- what uh, Paul in the comment there says that we are pathetic at the moment it is it is true? We are genuinely pathetic at the moment. I mean, our only win of the season came against Southampton, and we shouldn't have even won that game, should we? Mm-hmm. If, if no, Clay Adams knew ever. his arse from his elbow or his head, his head from his elbow, then we're not we're not winning that game. He, you know, we're not, we're, not, we're not even winning that game against Southampton. And after that, uh, how many goals we scored this season? Three. Three.
0: Three. Three.
2: Three goals, and this is like after all the money we've spent, after all the options that we've got up front, we've, we've got three, three goals. Um, which am I right in thinking that's the lowest in the whole football league. I think Jimmy got four. <laughs> we have the go.
0: we have the worst goals per game ratio in the top seven uh, levels of the football pyramid. It's top dreadful. Seven? Yeah, in the top seven say it's ridiculous
1: (laughs) it's so bad i mean i know Stu's not on to be blunt about it and i know i've tried to be a bit positive and track out but it's it's bad times it is there's some fundamental things in terms of the mentality and there's some things that it's going to be difficult to work around but yeah it, it ain't looking good at the moment is it but Let's take a short break. We're going to talk about managers just a little bit because still nothing's been confirmed. We're going to look at the next six games and have quick scores on the doors for them. And let's round it off with some fun old questions as well. See you in a minute.
2: Hi, all. Gully from Wolves Fancast here. And just like all of you long suffering Wolves fans, I know exactly what it feels like to be lacking a creative spark here. Some outside-of-the-box thinking there, but our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media, are here to help. They're a creative agency that cover all of your web design, branding and marketing needs, with our very own WolvesFanCast.com, a fine example of their work. So much so, that I hear Jeff Shee is looking to do a deal this summer. For now, it's back to the team to ask just where the Diogo Jota money is gone. We may have just had our answer.
1: hello welcome back everybody so um as we are still managerless at the moment um the, the talks are still ongoing in terms of it's going to be lopetegui it feels like he is the bookies favorite of the moment whether it will um actually happen this time as opposed to six years ago we'll never know um but i wanted to pull up a question we actually had originally in twitter corner um, from a ma who's a regular contributor to the section, um, and it was one of, I kind of had in like wanted to kind of bounce off you guys anyway. Um, but due to Lopatagi's apparent uh, pragmatic style of play, do you think he can actually solve our goal scoring problem, or are we hiring him simply because of his reputation? Uh, it seems a bit of a square peg in a round hole type of appointment. So uh, I'll come to you first. Uh, Matt, what do you think a manager, is, a new manager, is actually going to fix Paul's problems straight away?
3: I think prior to me reading the excellent Athletic article that came out about some of the actual man management issues in Bruno's game, you know, on all of the heavily sanitised propaganda machine Wolves behind the scenes videos, it was very much. Bruno's very good with the people, the cameras, the, the backroom staff, et cetera. But reading about some of the alleged kind of man management style of it, I think any change of manager that brings a difference to that style will be a positive. Like I mentioned before the break, I don't necessarily think pragmatism is a bad thing if it, if it breeds confidence. If we're, if we're defensively sound and scoring pragmatism you know you wouldn't have to be playing the sexiest football in the world as long as at this point we're just getting results that's that's all that matters at the moment um I, I think there's an element of the, the the slight worry is now is that a manager with a great track record has gone off the ball and now he's on the decline hence the reason why he's coming to Wolves but Fosun as we all know it's po- common knowledge is always had Lopatagi in their sights so this is a, an extension of a, a long an extension of a plan that has already been put in place I, I so I'm if if it is him and you know I think the book is a five to one on at one point which is all which is pretty much a done deal um, I, I think it's a positive move I just think that I don't I think as Wolves fans we need to set our expectations and even though that bar is amazingly low at the moment we need to just understand that overnight we're not going to be a changed team, but I think we'll be a team that look more organised and, and have a bit more of a mental resilience to them. Um, it's currently, uh, I
2: think the, the book is on to switch now. So it's currently one to 10. One to 10 so on? 10 to one on, yeah. So it's. it's so, even, yo, yeah, d- it's, d- it, d- double the done deal it was two seconds ago.
3: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there we <you>
2: go. <laughs> um, I. I am yet to be fully convinced that, you know, he will fully sort us out Lopetegui. So, but let's face it, yeah, it, it's 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 going to be him, as Matt said. You know, it, it, this, this was the guy five or so, five, six years ago. This was supposed to be the guy. So, he's coming in now. I suppose, when you look at it, like, he's on, you're right, Like he's on the decline as such now because, you know, he's obviously had fallouts for whatever reason at Sevilla. I suppose only time you really get a coach is when they're on de- they be on a decline somewhere else. And you get him. I suppose Nuno was technically on a decline, I guess, when when we got him when he came out of Porto. But I suppose the narrative around Lopetegui is that um, he has this pragmatic style, as we say. They, at the minute that's probably not what we're looking for, is it? If we're honest, we we want we want someone who can get a lot. Well, for a start, scoring a goal. <laughs> Sort of scoring a cup, scoring some goals initially. And I guess it. I'm looking at it thinking is he the right guy to, to to get us doing that? I'm not sure, but maybe long term he might he might end up being it might be the right guy to take us forward. We, we really don't know. But the one thing we can say about Lopetegui is that given the right set of players, he's obviously got a track record of winning stuff. You know, he's, he's won things with with Sevilla. Um. So who knows? We might even go on a cup run. Might go on the cup run if he comes in. But, um, yeah, he's, I mean, he seems to be the guy. I'm not f- fully convinced, but I, but I think, realistically, who else is available out there at the minute that we can get. I've never believed all the, the Ruben Amarin stuff for a second because I think nah. it was made quite clear by a uh, new friend of the show, Zach, that's uh, Zach Lewy, that that's financially impossible to get him out. And I know that Mendez can probably play with some figures somewhere, but I just, I think that that's just fantasy stuff. If, you know, if if the figures that are quoted are true, then no, no, that's just not going to happen. So I was fully expecting us in a way actually to take the cheap option and get uh, Pedro Martins in, but now obviously Lopetegui is also available. So he's got a bit more clout to him. And to be honest, winning the Greek league is probably... The, uh, the standout point on your CV is what some people might think it is, to be honest. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be Lopetegui and hopefully, you know, it, it can at least pick up a little bit and we'll, let's, we'll wait and see if he's the right man long-term.
1: Yeah, Blake, um, I guess whether it's Lopetegui or someone else uh, comes in and there's a big shift in the markets, Do you think Paul's will almost have that new manager bounce regardless of Lopetegui's, I guess, coaching history? Because I don't always buy into, you know, just because he's a pragmatic manager, I guess, on paper, um, or he's kind of viewed as that. I know Dean Marston says in the comments, um, you know, his field team scored 53 goals um, last season and the season before and only conceded you know, 30-33. So, you know, you, you could argue he's uh, got some level of attacking ability um, uh, in terms of how he coaches. It's not, you know, grinding out the one nils. But do you think, we'll, I guess, improve regardless once we have a permanent manager in charge and just try and see us through for the next half a dozen games?
0: Well, you pray that that's going to be the case. I think the big problem is that I don't know if there's any manager that can come in and get this team sorted in terms of our clinical finishing. I mean, in fairness, we played on the front foot against Bournemouth and we still couldn't hit a barn door for our lives. So for me, the, the problem I think we really have is the fact that we cannot finish. I mean, we, we brought up before the break that we have only three goals. We're talking about whether pragmatism or not is going to fix that. I don't know if, even if we do play on the attack and on the front for, foot, if that really helps us, I think that just leaves us exposed at the back. So I think there may be some rhyme to the reason of shoring, self, shoring ourselves up organizationally first and then paying attention to what we're doing up front. Um, and I think that personally, the only real reason we should have sacked Bruno was because of the whole morale thing was to try and improve morale. And I think that that is what we're we're going to have to, I think that's the only reason we're bringing in a new manager is just so that we can probably get that little bit of bounce from a new manager because over the long term, I don't know know if Bruno was the right fit, but I don't blame him for the fact that we can't score, the fact that we only have one striker and that we've had to sign Diego Costa on emergency. Um, So I don't know. I think we could be in real trouble until the the January transfer window. But that being said, I, I am praying that Whoever we get as our new manager, we're going to have a little bit of a bounce here. We're going to get some results. And who knows at that point, maybe our, our whole situation turns around. But me personally, I don't know if I see it.
1: Well, let's have a look at the next six games we've got coming up because it's basically... I wouldn't quite say, say it's do or die. But that is the point where we break up for the World Cup. And I think after V sets of games... The season is very much going to be defined in terms of how much of an uphill battle we're having to face. Um, in terms of anyone mentioning the dreaded R word, um, and it's not just Richard. Um, so in terms of games, we've got coming up. We've got Forest next weekend. Then we've got Palace midweek. Leicester at home. Brentford away. Brighton at home. And then Arsenal at home. Fellas, I'm not going to go through all six games because it kind of defeats the point of us doing a preview show um, it, it, after, before each of these games. Realistically, though, how many points do you see Wolves getting? Let's say if Lopetegui slash a manager signs the Wolves by, well, the, this week, and they're in charge on Saturday, how many points do you think we're getting? Hmm. Matt. I'll come I, to you. F- uh, this is gonna be a test of everyone's uh, maths ability to be able to time times zero by six, isn't it? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I'm not the only uh, one like Carol Vorderman that likes to have a few uh, th- today. But um, I would say on this occasion, I think we look at it seven or eight. I think I, I, I think we get win. I, I think if we don't beat Forest, <laughs> do we deserve to stay up? Probably not. They're they're awful. You know, I would say we beat Forest. I say we beat Leicester. I genuinely do. Call me, call me a, an optimist. I don't know. I think we lose to Palace. I think we lose to Arsenal. I think we can grab draws against Brentford and possibly Brighton. Uh, seven at seven or eight, I think it would be a decent would be a decent turnaround. You know, f- for those games. It's what a weird set of circumstances that we should be grateful to a nation like Qatar for the fact that they've got the World Cup in the middle of our awful, awful season that like, you know, the the World Cup could really be our saving grace this season that we have a break and we get a chance to reset and it it couldn't come at a better time really. But I honestly feel that once Forest and Leicester are out of the way, it looks a much better picture. Um, You know, you look at Everton at the moment, people are oh, they're flying high. They're this or that. As soon as they, as soon as they play a half decent team, they get, they get, punished all over the place no one's calling for them at the moment you know to be in any trouble but i would hasten that they'll be banging in trouble by the end of this six game period mm. so i think we need to it's very easy for us to get carried away and and talk about how it's done at nine games in is it done for anybody at nine games in do you know what i mean i don't know
1: no i, don't, I definitely don't believe it's done after nine games i do think after 15 games I don't think his fate is ever sealed um, at, at that point. But you're a decent chunk through the season to make accurate analysis of of, of, of a squad. You've not quite mm-hmm. played everyone once, and you know there are factors within in terms of changing manager halfway through that period. But uh, you know, I, I'm op- I was gonna say I'm optimistic. I think we'll somehow get nine points. I don't quite know how we'll win three games because we're definitely not, you know, winning two and drawing three and only losing one of the next six. But um, even if we somehow got nine points, which, uh, you know, without, you know, handing the mic back over to Pricey or Blake, I'm probably going to have the highest answer here. Um, That only puts us on, what, uh, you know, 15, 15 points after 15 games, which is still pretty, We wouldn't even call it mediocre, it's still poor for a team of all standing
2: uh, Me, I've got us uh, to get four points Ooh. I just think given where we are right now I I, I see us beating Forest and probably Gibbs-White will still score, so somehow I'm putting us down to score two goals in the game there <laughs> um, and then I've got us to draw against Leicester and then we'll lose the rest based based upon how we're playing at the minute i i just can't see where yeah exactly is that like paul in the comments saying it's just cause it's written in the stars isn't it but you know that, it's, that this is what happens to balls when someone like gibbs white comes back he's definitely he's definitely going to score um and because we're so bereft at the moment i just can't see where there's a sudden burst of points are, are going to come from unless something radically changes. Yes, a new manager will probably come in this week but I don't know, we're going to need a hell of a new manager bounce because how, how radical is he going to change things straight away or is it Lopetegui Magic 1 going to come out and just completely alter our fortunes? We, we, we don't know but based upon how we're currently playing, I, I struggle to I struggle to see us beating teams even like, like Brighton and and Brentford, and we know we can. We know Palace are going to do us over because you know that's part of the course. And Arsenal will be a, a hell of a sad way to round off for the, this glorious Qatar World Cup when when they at the minute that Arsenal are playing because they'll just rip us apart. Um, so unfortunately, yeah, it's it's quite a low low point prediction for me. But I mean, I'm only basing it on what we've what we've been served up so far. Blake, how about you? Are you uh,
1: can you can you top my top my nine, or are you, are you even? Because
2: Pricey, you're supposed to be in positive
1: club. I think I've been weighing down, Rich.
2: I think I've just been ground down about, over, over the course of, I don't know, the last eighteen months. I, I don't I know what's going on. What's what's happened to me, man? I'm, I'm, I'm going stone cold these these times.
1: Shocking, Blake, you... Uh, am i dragging you towards double figures then or not
0: we're getting 18 no i'm just teasing (laughs) um i i see us realistically getting seven with a new manager i think we will get a little bit of a bump we might score a couple more goals get a couple wins a draw and i think that would probably round us out Uh, i just think it's it's hard for me to see anything more than that and i honestly think it's so it's almost sad to the point where I think that seven points would be a good thing for us to get over six games. But, but that's what I seriously think at this minute. We, we just need to get a couple of results in the bag. We need some wins. That's really what we need. I mean, wins are everything in the modern football. And I'm just crossing my fingers we can get it. I think we're going to get two. And that's it.
1: Time will tell. But don't worry, guys. We'll be here to pull our hair out regardless. Um, right, let's end the show. We've got a load of Twitter corner questions. Let's fire through them. Let's hope let's pick up the mood. Uh first up, we have got in uh, from um Alex uh Patakas in the in the spirit of Steve Davis getting to live out a childhood dream um of his of his as a lifelong wolf supporter getting but getting fresh 3-0. What is the biggest letdown in terms of expectation of an experience versus reality? I'm gonna go first. Voting, <laughs> I thought I'll keep it, uh, you know, sensible on this one. But voting, like, people have died for a right to vote, right? People, you know, it, it should be of you know, this amazing process that you get all right, however small it is, this say, I'm on my soapbox here, guys, not just my sofa. Um, you know, this opportunity to potentially have an influence and an impact. But it's just crossing a bit of paper, isn't it? And it's you just stick it in a post box. A bit crap actually, isn't it?
3: Were you hoping for like at the end of when they used to get evicted in Big Brother and they'd do that and they'd all walk through? Yeah, like all of the all of all of the potential uh, candidates kind of shake your hand on the way out and go, Thank you.
1: Something like maybe um you know like in Squid Games where they do the voting, like yes. you can at least press a button. And like, okay. like, you keep it keep it secret, still. But at least I'd get like a little bit of satisfaction pressing a button, like something lighting up. I don't know, not just like a pencil attached to, you know, the wall.
3: Mine's quite a bit less dramatic than that, and it's just the Red Hot Chili Peppers live. <laughs> I, um, I really, I saw them at a Reading Festival or a V Festival, and I expected them to be really great, and they were anything but. It was quite disappointing.
0: Mine may be very specific to me, but uh, going to Los Angeles is so much more shit than you think it's going to be. It's <laughs> it's so cheesy, lame, dirty. It's just, it's lame.
2: Pricey, how about you? I generally can't think of one for mine. That's trying to think of what I've built up to what was like going to be amazing and then was a bit of a letdown. I don't know, your first time? <laughs> 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 Yeah, I we'll knew, go. I knew somebody would say it. I just knew it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> Swif- swiftly moving on. Um, the next one, I can. There's going to be a shameless plug here, and I we we all know it. Um, but the question is, if it loads up, um, uh, Shape of mm. Place says, uh, if we make cost for referee, who else out of the Wolves team would make the best cage fighter? Matt, do you fancy going on uh, having a swing at this one?
3: I would love to. Uh, At Cage Fighting Pod on Twitter, if you like some film and uh, general Stu Hall hilarity. Um, I think, well, it has to be uh, Collins, doesn't it? After his his kick out at Grealish the other day. You know, how many times have we seen an MMA fight where that that low kick comes into place? I think he'd make an excellent... He's got tall, huge frame. I think he'd be excellent in cage fighting, personally.
2: Pricey, how about this, you? Nunez looks a bit grizzled. Like he'd, he'd be a good, like he, he's he, he could handle himself in an octagon. I think Nunez could. But yeah, I think the, I was going to say possibly he was a bit of a dark horse for this sort of thing. But I definitely think for me, Nunez seems like he he knows like a, a good rear naked chokehold.
0: For me, it's Saul. He's genuinely insane. He's yeah. probably the last person I would ever want to fight, just by fight, fight the fact that he is just absolutely batshit.
1: Yeah, I think I, I, I had um, when I was thinking it. I was thinking Saar, to be honest. I think he's uh, he's got he's got the hair, he's got the goatee as well. I, I, I don't know. I think he, I think he'd be pretty fun in there. Uh, Dean Marston says in the comments, uh, Kilwin could handle himself. I reckon. I don't. Disbelief. I'm just not quite sure on the frame with Kilman. That's the only thing in terms of whether he's got the MMA frame.
3: Because
1: yeah. like even Hodge, I was going to say Little Hodge, um, a man who's probably earning far more than me at age 20 in a month than I do in a year. Um, you know, he's quite well built for for a young guy. Um, but you know, will he be able to brawl in the same way as the likes of Nunes and Sa? Not quite sure. Um, right, next up. um um KingWolf84 on Twitter asks my daughter likes salami and honey sandwiches. What's the weirdest sandwich filling? I think salami and honey. Sounds like a great combo, guys.
3: It it has that it has the element of sweet and savory that I think yeah that you want in a in a sandwich. In the same way that regardless of what you say, pepperoni and pineapple is an amazing pizza combination because it's sweet it's savoury, it's salty, yet it's citrusy. It's it's beautiful. And don't be cowards out there. Try it and get back to me. I, I, I don't understand fit for hatred of pineapple pizza.
2: I do not pizza. agree. <laughs> I have tried it and I do not agree.
3: <laughs> I, I don't have any kind of like weird sandwich fetishes of of like flavours putting together. I've recently been the recipient of a crimpit. If you know what one of those are, essentially it's a little box that you put like Warburtons thin in. There are other uh, sandwich manufacturers out there, Thank and you. you literally put like, <laughs> and you literally um, like press this box down, and it crimps the side of this little thing, and you can put it in the toaster, so it essentially melts whatever you've put oh, in the middle yeah. of it, and it's amazing, oh. it's brilliant. Um, but I've I've just tried really boring bog standard things in it, like Nutellas and banana mm. or ham. Um, cheese and pickle or something. So I'm not very adventurous when it comes to like sandwich toppings, I don't think. So I haven't really got anything to add to this, unfortunately. The only
2: question well, I got about it was, I'm a sandwich, I'm boring from sandwiches, but regarding to salami and honey, do you butter the bread on that one? Do you put butter down
0: first? Aye. But you've already got the honey to sweeten it, so I don't think the butter really helps, does it?
2: Well, unless you're some sort of butter-savist who loves, loves, loves it. Puts on anything. I just wondered. I, just, I, I don't think you would, but you never know. There are some weirdos out
3: there. Well, the thing is, I've always seen butter as a bread lubricant. So mm. the honey, the honey is your lubricant in that scenario. In the same way that you wouldn't, I don't think you would put butter on a Nutella Nutella sandwich, would you?
2: You shouldn't do. No. no. Inadvisable.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel like um, with. It... Yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going to go with this one. I'm so sorry. I, I feel like it just makes it more difficult. That would be my thing. It would, you know, the spread would make it more difficult with Nutella. Would it necessarily do that with honey as much? Not quite sure. It's going to depend on the honey as well as much as anything else, guys. Um, but, yeah, any interesting uh, sandwich talks. It's great because I love it when people get involved um, with discussions online regarding it and Dean knows me too well but he knows I'm going to pull out a link here um, but talking of butter um, uh, freezing wolf um, was a complete non sequitur um, Silver so got off to a good start um, and Cody is receiving plaudits even Ryan Giles can hold his head high from a horrendous start to a season by Burr, but is toast better left to cool before you butter it and I just didn't get this. I know, Matt, this is your time to shine, my brother.
3: Yeah, I, I was very quick off the mark with this. I don't know why, but I immediately replied and said, the toaster's got to be on that bread within... Uh, the butter's got to be on that bread within 10 seconds of it coming out. Otherwise, that bread's got to go back in the toaster on reheat and let it come back out. However, so this started a whole myriad of conversation. We're talking statistics. We're talking uh, cross-continent... Opinions that were coming over, and then my own wife said in the car on the way to Bentley Bridge, I said this to her, and I said, Oh, look, we've had all this. And she goes, "Mm, Sometimes I like to put the butter on when the bread's cooled down a little bit because when it soaks into the bread, you lose some of the taste of the butter. Um, so I'm getting a divorce. (laughs) Well, you can always live with me. I mean,
1: (laughs) even if you're having butter on toast, and I I was going to say, I have it f- relatively frequently, having a small child in my house and picking up leftovers. But the overwhelming taste isn't just to have, like, a thick layer of butter. I like a consistent spread, but I don't want, you know, I don't want a voluminous <laughs> amount on it. Um, But, yeah, you get it
3: on straight away. Why, why, you? why, would, I, why, why would I be waiting? Because if you don't, and it, and especially if it's hard, and this got the whole butter dish thing when it went on this segue, if you don't get it on straight away, it's going to take longer to melt and thus longer to get it in your gob to ease. And then so you get impatient. So you then start to spread it across while it's still cold. And then you ruin the bread, you ruin the bread, you ruin the bread, goes backwards and forwards until you're left with a really thick square and a really thin middle of bread. Um, whereas if you got it on straight away, the butter's melted, it's less time, you you, you get to eat it quickly. Uh, I didn't realise I was so passionate about this, but um, there we go. Here we are.
1: Um, but no, it, it's the same as, you know, what's the saying about, you know, a hot knife through butter. Basically you're doing butter with a what I assume is going to be a cold or normal temperature knife, but the toast acts as the the heat the, to the be conductor. able to spread it, yeah. I mean, I don't massively like you know, say cold toast anyway. I'm not saying like oh, you pop it in the microwave and you give it five minutes and whatever, or you do whatever, but you want it on straight away. I was... for, for, for people out here who don't, I mean, I... must be, and it's
0: the same with anything. Well, whatever, whatever's going
2: on your toast, get it on immediately, butter, yeah. Nutella, peanut butter, whatever, you just get it on. As soon as you say the toaster, don't mess about it. What are you, you mess about for? What are you hanging? What are you waiting for? No, as you said, it's not. It's not a lukewarm knife through butter, is it?
1: It's just <laughs> no. get, the, get your butter on. Get it on the toast. Yeah, the only time I can cope. The, the only time I could arguably cope without it is if there's something else warm that is going on the toast. But so I was oh, having no. beans on. So I was having beans on toast. Okay. Or I was having a fry up. Where there's going to be things that are going to go on the toast that's going to i guess reduce the impact of the the toast itself then maybe i could get on board with it if i was having toast on its own god no you know you get that bad boy on right away um i've just realized how many people are
3: genuinely listening to this um just imagine, of if, imagine if they line. imagine if they logged on late <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was like there were some really welcome, good welcome points to... about Wolves about an hour ago. Um <laughs> welcome,
2: to, uh, welcome to this evening's edition of Wolves Toastcast. We're uh, talking <laughs> yeah. about toast. and uh, we and where, yet... we're toasts. And, and, and yet we don't
1: we're and I'd like to bring in uh on the YouTube comments uh Toaster Wolves. <laughs> exactly what I was just gonna say, where's Toaster Wolves for all of this? <laughs> um, this was a prime spot. Um right, a couple more. Um who's the most beautiful wolves player? To pull on a ball shirt, and who's the ugliest? You know what? We're not going to do the ugly bit. Let us be let's be, uh, be body body positive and everything. So who's the most beautiful Wolves player ever, guys.
2: I think I think this is, this one's all sewn up, isn't it? By the most beautiful man ever, Rob Edwards to put to put the shirt on. Got to be got to be Rob, hasn't it? Or, or, am I, or am I missing someone?
1: I was going to say my uh, my thought on that. Was Rob Edwards handsome when he played for Wolves, or has he matured into his looks more? I don't quite know.
3: Mm, that's fair. Well, Kim would swear blind it's Neto, wouldn't she? I'm sure she's swooned over him a few times in the past. He's got that rugged, boyish charm about him, I suppose. So that's a—he's a contender.
1: Mine, and again, there's. Conditions within this, which you, I I've just picked apart from Rob Edward's Rob Edward's argument. Mine was Wilhelm Finkler. Remember the name? The Brazilian chap who signed under McCarthy but basically never played. Um, <laughs> it looks like. I I've, I've, I've in my head he he looks a little bit like um, Johan Goff, um at um the, the old French player who is incredibly good looking. So in my head, so's this guy as well. But I'll, I'll see if I can dig out a photo of him, put it on a group chat later or something. Um, or I'm just making up a complete memory of him. Um, Dean says in the comments, uh, "Rube Patricio, very good-looking man. Loves a loves a glass of wine. Pricey, if I remember correctly."
2: He does love the vino tinto, and I think the um, his rating went up a notch when he got that scar in the Asia Cup. I think that mm. that only made yeah him more rugged.
3: Like a sexy Bond villain.
1: Yes. (laughs) Again, I was about to say... Is there any kind of bot villain? Yes, there very definitively is. Um, right, last question before we wrap it up for um, for the show, guys. Um, which former Wolves player on return gets a standing ovation from Wolves fans and really deserves it? I guess uh, one thing we didn't talk about we gave game was Diego Costa basically doing a lap of honour after he got subbed off. I mean, he's just pure box office. I've got, apparently some people were offended by it. I think get, get a fucking grip, to be honest. Um, you know, with it, in terms of standing ovations, Connor Cody. Oh, I know. I don't know I if know. it would
0: be standing. He'll definitely get clapped off. But I mean,
1: yeah, I, I don't know. I think out of current crop of players who are still playing, you know, Nevis is still here. Hmm. Jotter's had returns now. And and you know his reception's been a bit not quite mixed, but it's been like, Oh, it's good to have you know, thank you and everything, but please don't score against us. Nice. Yeah, Whereas true. I think I think Cody might play into it a lot more. So when he comes out um pre match to do the warm ups, I think there'll be a lot of clapping and stuff like that, and he'd make a good go of it. Um yeah,
3: I'm struggling otherwise. Mm. I mean you see
1: Bolly getting a standing ovation Saturday.
3: Oof. well well i think it, people will now potentially will see him as you know the rats always leave the sh- the, the ship before it sinks you know what i mean but um i don't know i think it's hard to it's hard when he's essentially done a, a hennessy for him to get a standing ovation yeah. um cody mm. i mean everyone's very appreciative of what he did for the club in the time he was here but and I think only time will prove that the relationship had soured by the end because of Bruno, most likely now. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'd be a bit. I think it's a bit sickly to, to uh, in the same way that the Cody hate online is is a is a can be a bit much at the same time. But as Wolves fans, aren't we always? Don't we always come across looking like jilted lovers when it comes to our ex players? It's not very often that we have a very harmonious split, is it?
2: because they always come back and score against us. That's, that's well, true. true. <laughs> yeah. we, we have reason to hate him. it to us again. Probably the only one who gets to the Salvation and deserves his league with this when he scored against Port Vale. did the League Youth celebration. That's certainly exactly.
1: Salvation for life. True. Very true. Um, I, was trying, I was trying to think of any of the players who have, who have left recently, to be honest. Gibbs White, he might get a round of applause. He'll probably get a round of applause. But I think it would be a fairly mediocre one at best. Uh, Paul in the comments um, says Robbie Denison. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of current players. I mean, I think Robbie Keane always got a good reception when he when he came back, um, but ironically, he always bloody scored
2: against us. Um, I think we were sick of him by the time he's got that double against yeah.
1: us for Villa. Was sick of the yeah. sight of it. Um, Lescott, I think, would have, but he didn't. As far as I'm aware, did he really ever play against Wolves?
3: I mean, then Den Donker, I think, has, you know, part, if he was playing for anybody else other than the Villa, I think he'd be received really well on his return because mm. I don't think anybody ever questioned his, his work rate and his ethic and his, no. his, I think he, I think in hindsight, I think we realise that that actually we could have used, he would have been more useful to keep than to sell. Um, so I think actually then Donker, of all of the current crop of people that have left, is the most likely to get a, uh, uh, at least a, a good reception a most, the most pleasant reception yeah, yeah. i mean if
1: it, it just uh you just remind me of like the um the press releases when dendonka was sold compared to when bolly was sold and just like the uh you know it was a bit of a job reference for dendonka one you know he served the club with you know mm. maximum distinction and whatever bolly's is he's left the club <laughs> Thank you for your, your time. Here. Like, yeah, that was a man who was quietly quitting. Um, did, um,
2: did 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 Heldacosta ever play against us when he went to Leeds? I can't remember. I can't remember I if they played last he, season at all, I can't remember if he if he played for them in the Premier League. I was just wondering because I thought he would he would have got a decent one. Yeah, should, yeah. He yeah or, again, he, yeah.
1: Should, he probably should have got a good reception. I think. Um, yeah yeah they
2: had that great season got us promoted and then the injuries really kicked in and then we got rid of him yeah so, he never kind of he didn't do anything think, to offend us
1: did he no exactly and I think his career post Wolves to be honest has I, I guess shown his proper level or at least his floor rather than his ceiling uh, which you know fortunately we got to see at Wolves but um we're going to wrap the show up there uh tonight everyone big thanks to everyone who's tuned in live on YouTube big thanks to everyone who's listened um On podcasts as well. Big shout outs to Pixel Yeti Media and the 90 Min Football Network, of course. Make sure you keep up to date with all things Wolves Fancast at Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we'll be back um Thursday night to preview the forest game. And we'll be also back next Sunday as well to react to the forest. Fingers crossed victory. Um, but until next time, it's Bye from Blake. See you. It's goodbye from Pricey. I'm off to some toast. See you later. It's goodbye from Matt.
3: Take it easy, everybody. Look after yourselves, chicken on your mates.
1: It's goodbye from me. See you next time.
3: When you're drinking a frozen beverage from McDonald's, your brain may not like how refreshingly cold it is. But the rest of your body, oh, yes, it's going to relish every moment of it because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
2: Get
1: all the chill you need for just $1.69. From any size frozen drink, like a
0: frozen Fanta Blue Raspberry, to a new ice-cold lemonade. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. How should you plan for when your home becomes too small or when the next one gets too big? At Sandy Spring Bank, we're here to help create personalized solutions for financing your home loan. Whether it's a new home or refinance, renovation or addition, fixer-upper or new build. Banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your mortgage. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash mortgage. Mortgage home equity and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank, Equal Housing Lender.